shit, shit, shit show. It's a fucking shit show. Shit show. Welcome back to Shit Show Saturday. And we are with a very special shit show. Hello, shit show Jamie. Hello. Hi. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> See, you did it. I did it. <laughs> the hard part's over. <laughs> Smooth sailing oh. now, right? <laughs> Oh, okay. What do you want played when you walk in a room? Uh, of course, I have about an hour to think about it. So um, mm-hmm. I'm not a real Jesus freak or Christian person, but I did listen to a lot of Christian music when I was 20 plus. And there's an Amy Grant song. It's a brand. It's one of her first songs called I'm Going to Fly. I'm Going to Fly. And if you want me to find it for you someday, I will. I, no, I'll find it. I'm sure it's out there. Yeah. Good. I like that. So what about your favorite carbohydrate? Oh, I was going to bring a, a a sample. It's hard to describe, but it's called a Kranken Epi. A Kranken Epi? Yeah, it's, it's what? bread. It's sourdough bread in a pinwheel, like these little fingers, uh-huh. cranberries and pumpkin seeds. And I just break really? off the fingers. And do you want to see one really fast? No. I'm, yeah. Well, I can look. I can Google it. A crank. I don't know. Like, what the heck? Where do you find these things? There you go. Oh, interesting. Where do so you get that? Um, at the bakery. This bakery called Feel Good. Mm. But and so, it, did, did it come like? Is it in a bigger? Yes, thing? it's originally? in a big loaf. Like initially, I just bought like. Four fingers that were in a pinwheel. <laughs> and I don't think these are good. And I swear <laughs> I've been I've been buying them for I don't know six, seven years. I usually buy two loaves. I put them in the freezer. I eat three or four a day. Can we can we find out why they're called that? I know I should find out. I have no idea. A crankin' Effie. Epi. Epi something. E-P-I. Epi stands for something. I don't know what. There has and to be a good story there. Franken is the um, pumpkin and the cranberry. Oh, cranking. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was like thinking like, yeah, let's get cranking. You know? <laughs> like, let's pump it up with some bread. That sounds good. Do you eat it just plain? Mm-hmm. Mm, Almost nice. always. Yeah. Have you ever like made a sandwich with it? I don't think so. What about a little yeah. cream cheese? Um. I think I've dipped it in butter before. Mm-hmm. How's that? <laughs> I like cream cheese on bagels. Me too. So when I come back, I'll have to go get me a, what's the name of the bakery? Feel good. Feel good. Okay. We'll meet there. There's two of them here in Alameda. We'll share a crank and Epi. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> you get two fingers, I'll get one. <laughs> They're definitely the better fresh than frozen. So you have okay. to have it right from the bakery. You had me. At, you had me at crank and epi. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cheese. Uh, well, I'm vegan, oh, so that cream vegan. cheese was vegan. But I like regular. Yeah, I'm not real pure. Um, but gouda or provolone. Okay, and then your condiment. Oh, that salad dressing. What kind? Mm, honey mustard. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, you know, if I'm out. I'll get regular ranch or Caesar. I don't, doesn't have to be vegan. 
I use, I use regular Parmesan cheese. I'm not going to buy a whole thing of that. You know, the rest of my family is not vegan. Mm-hmm. You know, okay. I'll, I'll eat around the meat, even though there's probably cheese in the sauce. In the, okay, that's good. So you're not like a you're not like a hardcore. You're not like a Nazi vegan. Mm-mm. Okay, good to know. Yeah, it's, it's not really about the animals. I don't think. I mean, the way they're taken care of, maybe. And um, we only buy the organic best stuff for the kids. Mm-hmm. and then okay. they waste half of it yeah story of my life mm-hmm. um okay so let's talk about how you found out that you were an adult child well i didn't know the word adult child i knew that my mom was mentally ill and that i kind of grew up without the mother i needed when i was about 2021 20, when i first went to therapy mm-hmm. and um and you grew up in the bay area right I grew up in, in Piedmont, which is in the middle of Oakland. Okay. And initially the first five years in Montclair, both my parents are, had it really, you know, the generational trauma, Mm -hmm. they had it horrible, horrible. Mm -hmm. And so them together, it was better. And my dad, they, neither one had money and my dad started to become a very successful lawyer. Mm-hmm. And he wanted us to have the best of everything mm-hmm. and, and to, to a fault. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so he moved us into Piedmont for the schools, but he moved us. We weren't in the center of town. We were closer to Oakland, which there's a really cool little town, Montclair, part of Oakland that was where we lived. And kind of, you could walk up the street from our house, you know, it was all up going there and then all down coming and we would, you know, I had freedom there, but we weren't near any kids. Mm-hmm. And in terms of riding a bike, like I learned on the little cul-de-sac, I loved riding my bike. And when I did finally ride my bike to school, which is a mile, I just got off and walked it up the hills, you know? Yeah, no kidding. Um, but, I've never even tried. I always get off. Yeah. <laughs> well, what's funny is I became a very big bike rider, 100 milers. I could do all the hills, you know, that you saw down in Woodside and Atherton and over here in Oakland. Um, that was before kids. And it wasn't because I had the kids because I didn't have the kids. But, you know, life takes over. I don't. I mean, when I like have driven over to like when I've gone over to like Stinson beach mm-hmm. and you're on those like little roads and I just see these bikes like going up and I'm like, how is this enjoyable? Like it looks miserable. I only did that ride when I had to, I did these seven day green belt rides and they went that way. I hated them. I would not do that. And now, but I went up, you know, Mount Tam. Mm-hmm. Once I went up Mount Diablo seven times in one day, getting ready for, getting ready for the death right <laughs> <laughs> but i don't know actually as i tell you that getting learning how to ride a bike was a big deal for me i mean it was freeing mm-hmm. i didn't realize you know when i put stuff together now and um, my dad taught me that and he taught me some really cool things he was you know he had a he has a half sister i have an aunt who's 12 years younger than him and apparently he said he went to summer camp and came back and found out his mom was pregnant Mm. you know that's how so their relationship whatever he basically grew up alone and less they both grew up in los angeles and um 
but he was fun. And well, and he loved us. He loved having girls. There's three of us. And I, I'm fine in adult child. I'm finding a little bit of me that always has been there since mm. I've been like two or three, but whatever else is the trauma is probably because I, my mom was scared to death of having kids. I was born. Um, I was pulled out with high forceps. She was under general anesthesia. And we had a nurse who my dad said was wonderful, but you know, I don't remember any of that. And they got be kind of weird if you did. <laughs> yeah, really. Well, you know, I have the pictures, but um, I'm sure my mom must have done some mothering. She must have. How could she not? I'm so cute. <laughs> exactly. But thank God they had my sister Bonnie 20 months later and another sister Nancy five five years later from me three years from Bonnie and um so I had community I had my sisters and my dad whenever he could he worked all the time and but he'd come home for sure on di for dinner and he'd come home at noon on Saturdays and he wouldn't work Sundays so that's when we did fun things and um you know, went to parks and played. I learned how to swim really well. And so I have a lot of good memories. I don't know why whenever I make the beds, he taught me how to make the bed. Mm. And uh, he taught me how to wash a car. And all these things I've always thought about ever since, you know, <laughs> a long, long time. And, you know, um, he just wanted the best. And so he also, I remember... He, I mumbled apparently, so he had me talking into a cassette recorder when they were brand new, and he would tell me to put my shoulders up. And then later in life, he would buy me clothes I hated, and I wasn't gonna wear. And <laughs> you, I think in the just in the um, show, the podcast today, I think you asked Barb about like, what was the message? And hers was school, school, college, college. Yeah, go to college. Yeah, exactly. Mine was look good, mm. look normal. We are normal, right? But we were so isolated. We had a couple of family friends that my parents were friends with and we played with their kids and it was very structured. So I grew up feeling very isolated and very much a part. Of, oh, another thing. <laughs> How could I forget this? We're Jewish. Mm -hmm. But my dad really wanted us to have Christmas because it was fun. And I loved it. And we had a blast. And every Christmas, I totally remember being a kid and being so excited and not being able to sleep. Like all my covers off my bed or something because, you know, and waking up early. And I just, you know, we would go to High Holy Days for the kids for Jewish stuff. And I, I didn't relate and he put me in Saturday school, but then he took me out for some kind of, I don't know, he said stupid reason, but you know, something he didn't agree with. So I didn't grow up with it. And what I did know about it, my cousin, my distant cousins, like second cousin and third cousins was the classic, like, no offense to anybody, Jewish person like I never knew that Jewish people had blonde hair <laughs> they were all dark and whatever and so 
I've always had a hard time with that. And then we had Catholic cousins. Did you have a bat mitzvah? No, I didn't. He took me out of Saturday school. I was, I still think I still have the book. Honestly, Mm -hmm. I think I was in second grade and um, he, he had a bar mitzvah and he grew up with more, but I don't know how much. My mom Mm -hmm. grew up with nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, Her mom was more mentally ill than my mother. My mother wasn't obvious until, well, she had her first psychotic event when I was 20. And I was totally high on cocaine at the time, but um, she just was never happy and mm. she wasn't satisfied. And my dad would try and help her find where's her way, where, where's her purpose or whatever. And he, he felt like he had four kids. And he Did she to, stay at home? Yes. Mm-hmm. But we always had somebody in the house, mm-hmm. maid, who mm-hmm. was there when we got home from school. Mm-hmm. until my dad got home or whatever I think I remember my mom made dinner so was she what I mean what did her mental illness look like depression depression so that's definitely what it looked like and my dad left her when I was about 14 finally and he, she had been his secretary he had been a successful lawyer in San Francisco and then decided to go out on his own don't ask me why and um so she was his secretary and she's very capable. She's very smart. She was a poli-sci major too. And, but she never had a career or did anything, but then she went to law school and she graduated law school when I graduated high school mm. and she was manic. And this was after they got divorced. So then did you go, did you, did you split? Like, did you oh. go back and forth or what did y'all oh do? Oh my God, I forget. I have so deep yeah. memory. Um, I would always go to summer camp from like the age of 10 on and I would cry when I had to go home and I don't, I don't remember. I just know I was so upset and, um, the loss of leaving camp and yeah, I guess I got to be myself. I, I was validated and it wasn't just because I ended up learning or smoking pot there or anything like that. It was just... <laughs> I was treated like anybody else. I wasn't treated like the odd person out. And um, the one of the, my very first boyfriend love at camp, Joe, when I was 14, his older sister suggested maybe I wanted to go away to school. And I came home and I told my dad. Oh yeah, you went to boarding school. I forgot. Yeah. And so I was turning 15 and my dad thought, oh, this is a hard school. I, we better hold her back. So they held me back in ninth grade. And all of a sudden, I became freshman class president. I mean, I had never done any of this kind of stuff. But I ended up being put up in all my classes. And I skipped, I quote, my sophomore year and went back to my age appropriate grade. And then uh-huh. I was active. That's the class I know. These are, I were so close. Um, you know, it was a class of 50, and I think I said in group or whatever, we just got together a couple months ago. I mean, can I tell you how much ACA stuff we talked about that weekend? <laughs> oh, well, yeah, I would imagine yeah. you guys all getting sent to boarding. I mean, uh-huh. I'm sure. Yeah, well, we, exactly. and many of us just wanted to go. Yeah. And then there were day students, too. So you Where was it again? In San Anselmo. Oh, yeah. So it was exactly an hour from my house. 
but I never wanted to go home and I got in trouble and got, you know, campus for like a whole quarter in my freshman year for talking back or something. But did I care? I didn't want to go home. And, um, but I learned how to drive really well. Um, but I thrived, but by then I was a daily, I was a daily postmoker almost from the very beginning. And so I was isolating myself when I didn't have to. Very much a part of the school and supposedly nobody knew except the friends I smoked pot with, but I smoked a lot alone. I'd go hiking. There's a big thousand foot mountain there. And um, so kind of the story of my life until I finally, well, I was going to say until I finally stopped substances, but actually, no, it continued until now was, you know, I wasn't really a part of, mm -hmm. I worked in, but in well, medical school, I, I basically got addicted to school. I, you know, there's lots of, this isn't my story about getting sober, but, um, that was my relationships hostage. And mm -hmm. so I was a part of, but I was usually with my partner. And mm -hmm. then when we got to residency, I was already in the marriage I am in now, which is 30 years in about two weeks. Is she a doctor as well? No, she's a speech therapist. Okay. 30 when years. We, when wow. we met, she was a graphic designer. Interesting. Had followed. So how we met? Well, no, that's getting it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I okay, this is what I want to. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I want you to talk. So you get sober at what age? Um, 37. Okay. And then at what point do you start straying from the program from AA? Um, so for the first seven years I was in Palo Alto and then we moved, that was 2005. And I was trying to get, you know, I was involved, but I didn't feel the same way about it. So I wasn't really working steps, um, until like 2014, 15, 16. I don't know. I stopped for a while. Then I started again. I got totally into it. I worked some steps. Like I just found all my step work from mm -hmm. treatment on mm -hmm. and so I know I've worked the steps in 2016 but I think from then on I don't know it just because I was fine I thought mm -hmm. I was becoming a, an adult or whatever but I really I didn't need to I mean I'm sure I was escaping somehow but it wasn't in any kind of you know addictive way that now I know lots of ways I was doing it. <laughs> um, I was really good at stuffing it just like I was my whole life. And then I came back to Zoom meetings in February of 2021. And I don't remember, I always knew where the meetings were. I never stopped. I always said third step prayer. And um, the first meeting, I let myself go down to Palo Alto to the meetings that I used to go to in person. And the first person I saw was somebody who I was close to. Her name's, well, she's my sponsor now in AA. And I felt a part of, she mm -hmm. had to chair the meeting a couple weeks later. And I, like you've, you've heard me say, I opened my mouth. Mm -hmm. I started talking about me. And. And how many years sober were you at this point? Well, um. 23 yeah, years. Yeah. I'm 25 mm -hmm. now. 
but it's it's weird because I definitely had five years when I had my own business. I don't think we want to go into all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that I was just emotional. I mean, I was yeah. a shit show. You were physically sober, but not emotion- emotionally super fucked up. Oh, way, <laughs> way. I might as yeah. well have been drinking. Yeah. It's amazing and, that you didn't. Oh, totally. But I kept thinking I was on God. God was telling me what to do. Mm. That mm-hmm. whole time I was like, until I hit a concrete wall, I was going to do it. Well, you know, five years, I probably hit the concrete wall and three five times. Yeah. <laughs> so then so, talk about hitting so your ACA I, yeah. bottom. So I come back to meetings. My mom passes longer story. You know, she had been so debilitated with her mental illness that I had I didn't think it was a lot. I didn't know it was going to be such a loss. And it started to bring up all my past. And I went to a grief counselor, uh, you know, like it was part of the hospice. Mm -hmm. So I got to go, didn't have to pay. I did donate. And then there was a grief hiking group. So I started talking and, but I didn't have any concept and I, work was terrible and I ended up taking a leave of absence. I just, I was going to implode. That's my bottom. I didn't know what was happening, but honestly, now when I'm in lizard brain, is it, I, I call it my boiling tea pot that where the top is going to blow off when I'm in that, I was there, but I didn't have any conception of why. Mm-hmm. So I just, I was going to hurt somebody. I just, I was crying at work. I was like going to kill it, you know, the, just having to be patient with people. And so that helped, mm-hmm. but I still didn't learn. Mm-hmm. But somewhere I heard about podcasts. So <laughs> and, and so I started listening to them and getting a lot of relief mm-hmm. as I was, you know, becoming a part of a meeting mm-hmm. and doing service and, connecting with old friends and also seeing my sponsor once a week. And I started to break down with her mm-hmm. and I'd never done that in my life. I mean, mm-hmm. it just became so obvious, not, not, not come on, let's go. And then I heard you on a podcast and I would have remembered and it, everything would have happened if you hadn't mentioned Stephanie Brown's name, but you did. And she had been my therapist for 12 years and I didn't have a clue. And maybe because maybe she tried and I couldn't take it in. Maybe I needed to just focus on being sober and getting a life and being an adult. I mean, I can't believe what I have in my life right now. I have everything. I mean, I I, I had to ask my dad for money when I had my business and I've rebuilt. Still have a levy on my paycheck but that's another story too that's part of the shit show and right away that was it mm. i got it and i i mean i've always kind of seen the glass half full and so even though i had a real trauma response yesterday but thankfully i went to pilates after and then i had therapy so I breathed for an hour and then I cried for an hour and I, you know, got to a place where it's kind of like I can't go any further yet. 
Mm -hmm. I, I get protected. Mm -hmm. But at least I went, at least I'm going where I'm going. And Absolutely. I'm, yeah, it feels really good. And, you know, I'm not, I'm okay with me most of the time. I have really shitty thinking days. And all I need to do is put on a meeting. All I need to do is read something. I'm working on meditating and I'm not doing that well with it, I think, but I'm really made progress in breathing, which I probably haven't done for 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> um, stupid phone. Um, so when you think about the laundry list, what trade is the real nail in the coffin for you? <laughs> all of them no not all of them but I mean and I don't know them by heart but I can tell you just uh fear of authority fear of conflict taking care of others um I that's one thing I've realized along this journey is a lot of my codependent journey mm -hmm. has been shed with mm -hmm. sobriety mm -hmm. and definitely in my relationship because mm -hmm. I could have taken over in my relationship it would not have been healthy and it still has a long way to go get the kids off to college and then i i have nothing but optimism there but you know she's a normie mm -hmm. kind of. <laughs> you know that's we'll just stay keep it there and um but i was so like painfully codependent in my 20s mm -hmm. and it changed over time but why did I, I why did I get back into drugs and alcohol when I ended up going to Stanford for residency I used to think you know I had pain I was running too much mm -hmm. and I got into narcotics and I, I I had a lot of wreckage and now I know from adult child I wasn't the best. And so I didn't have that keeping my mm. self-confidence up and I was scared to death. Mm. But yet in a situation where, you know, to, to know that. So I don't know. I meet many of them. I'm the opposite of wanting excitement. I mean, I, I definitely created enough in my life. I think I just... You're good. You've had, had your picks. Hi, my Phil. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I've seen a ton of growth in you, but why don't you tell like me an area? <laughs> your awareness, like your ability to, your insight in yourself, insight in situations that you're having. Like you just have so much more of an, a, a consciousness and awareness. And also, you're a lot more compassionate with yourself. Interesting, because the what happened yesterday basically was I took my dog to the groomer at twelve thirty, and I had decided I had Pilates at one, and I it was twelve thirty. I decided we're not that far away; it takes less than ten minutes for me to walk run her there. Mm -hmm. But then they said, "Do you have her vaccine card?" Well, we can't see you, and we had been she had had surgery, so she was like two grooming appointments behind and I immediately get triggered but 
I did it a little different in that I didn't yell and scream. Somebody else came in and I knew they were going to make me wait because I didn't know what to do. I couldn't go back and bring her back even in the car if I wanted to get to Pilates. You can't be late. <laughs> and Pilates is helping me a lot and breathing in particular. And so I tried to call the vet because they'll do it. And they never answer the phone. They're too busy. And then I called Wendy, my partner. And, you know, we talked about it afterwards. I just scare her. I'm all out of control and we've got to get this. Do you have a lot? What? 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 I'm on the street. She hears noise. It's not pretty. But I started walking back as I'm waiting to see if she can find it. And she thought she sent me the um, invoice for her previous surgery. So I didn't have it. I'm sure I'm not going to go back there ever again. And then, you know, I get Pilates, I get therapy and I pick up my kids and they're like, why not? Why aren't you going to go back? I mean, you know, it wasn't that big a deal. And honestly, today, I noticed they had left me a message and they had told me to bring the vaccine card. <laughs> That's my new, my latest shit show. Mm, I love it. That's so, perfect. But for a minute, I got home. I got home. It's quarter to one. I need to leave by 10 to one. I sat in the yard and I just tried to breathe and I was crying, but I don't cry alone very well yet. And... um for a second, I could picture my inner child and laying next to my mother, my parent, kind of like my daughter with me for just a little bit and just let that be. Mm. And then, you know, because for years I've calmed myself down. I've I felt like before I knew what was happening, I just got triggered. I'm doing great. I'm a sober person. I'm like, and every once in a while, there just aren't people that, you know, I mix with. Mm -hmm. I know all about that. <laughs> yeah, I know you do. And it's amazing when you do mix so much, but I'm, I've learned a lot. I have definitely grown before I knew about this, but now, and I'm trying not to be too vigilant and like, mm -hmm. And just live life and be and and be patient because I'm not messing things up too bad, mm -mm. you know, and get the quality of my problems. <laughs> I don't have any. And I mean, my life is so abundant, but I don't I've been listening to you and I don't feel like I found my life's purpose. And I'm hoping and I believe because of this program, if I just let it be that it's going to find me. Like, That's what I was going to say in the episode. And I well, just didn't go in was that I believe truly that as long as we continue this work, it's going to become clear. And, you know, I love working with parents and kids and powering them to a point. I don't like the ones that have super anxiety and goes into their yeah, I work so hard at trying to help them. But there's something about that part of my job I really, really get something out of. But then I have a ton of notes and it's Stanford. We roll over. We're like the, you know, bottom of the barrel. We have no say. 
Saturday, I worked for nothing. The staff's getting paid, but I'm not. And um, I heard just a couple of days ago, somebody say something like a parent mentor. Mm. I'm just letting that ride because there are parenting specialists. And one thing that makes you a specialist is seeing the same thing over and over and over. Well, I have seen a lot of the same things over and over without the education. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. I've been a therapist now when I had my own practice. You know, I'm sitting here thinking, this is what I do in therapy. And I'm put in this, this position. Mm-hmm. But mostly I just listen. Mm-hmm. And that makes people feel heard. And that's, you know, healing. And I don't know what it's going to be. I think we'll know each other and we'll find out. Absolutely. You're being led. You're being led. One thing I will tell you, I just realized before yesterday's trauma response, just thinking I do have a sponsor and we're working the second step a lot. And I just realized I have had a higher power. I have so many God shots from my whole life. Mm -hmm. I mean, from young ages. And but is my higher power really in me? You know, is it? I have to remember a lot. And I think it's just something I'm going to focus on right now. Not today or not this second, but just kind of keep. And one thing I haven't been doing is writing. I have yet to write. And I found all my, I told you all my work, but when I had time, I used to write a ton. Mm-hmm. And I think, I know I need to, but I just fight it. And I get overwhelmed very easily. I have a very full life. And, um, but, you know, I heard something, I think today in a meeting about somebody keeping a habit journal. Like first they put down the habits they already have. And then the habits as they pick them up. And I've definitely picked up some new healing habits slowly. And I'm okay. I'm okay slowly. It's the only way to do it. I don't use, you know, and I, I mean, I'm just so much happier. I love recovery. If only I could be in a meeting or talking to somebody or reading something at all times, then writing too, but that's not life either. That's a, 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 that's addiction. That is addiction, Jamie. (laughs) Okay. Last question. What is the hope or dream that you have for your future? I mean, I feel like we kind of were just dancing around that, but let's get an official one. To be me hmm. most of the time. <laughs> um, I know I'm going to keep healing. I mean, I just look at you and people with years of thinking about this. Like, I don't have the verbiage yet. I do in my head, but it's just wonderful. It's just, it's, it's music, it's harmony, it's, there's nothing negative. There's absolutely nothing negative about working this program. Hmm. Well, you're an amazing woman. So grateful that you stumbled upon me. Well, and you too, you just, you are amazing. And I hope when you get down, you just look at all of us. I try. (laughs) I know. Well, you're an adult child too, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, that wraps up Shit Show Saturday. As always, 
Sign up for the Patreon. That is where I host weekly support groups, and it's where you say thanks, Andrea, for all that you do. Patreon.com slash adult child. Follow me on TikTok and Instagram at adult child pod and give me a damn five star rating on Apple and Spotify. And I will see y'all shit shows on Wednesday. Bye. Bye.